0: In the arena of ideas about abortion, whether in conversation or news articles, we should at least have a level playing field of pro-this and anti-that. But it's never been that way, with the term pro-life changed in media style guides to being anti-choice. And pro-abortion people never call themselves that, nor do the media call them that. They're called pro-choice, though it's the pro-life movement that has truly given women a choice. Confused? People in the abortion movement pretty much bank on that. I'm Sheila Lagminas, and you're in The Forum. Over decades now, abortion activists have used the term pro-life if they have to use it at all. As a pejorative, a derogatory label they can pin on a politician during a campaign season, claiming he or she wants to deprive women of their basic reproductive rights, which is another term that distinctly lacks clarity. What are reproductive rights? Anyone in politics or media asking? Do people who get polled in these opinion polls done by Gallup or Quinnipiac or Guttmacher and others, do people ask the pollster a question back ever, like, What do you mean by abortion rights or reproductive rights? What are they? Could you list some? So we're used to all that, but we want more people to know that the pregnancy help centers are the real women's care centers and clinics that truly do offer women a choice or a number of choices and help with the one she chooses, except for abortion. That's anti-life. By contrast, Abortion clinics profit from abortion and hardly inform women of the risks of the procedure, if at all, and profit from a girl or woman's fear and anxiety, from her lack of information about the life already in the womb, or about what long-term effects abortion may cause for women. They profit from girls or women thinking that what they're carrying is just a blob of tissue. Though she's there because she's pregnant, and every pregnant patient already has human life, that while in her body is not her body. Since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs decision, there have been multiple concerted efforts to drive narratives about abortion and what impact it may have on girls and women to lose the ability to get easy access to it. Some of the language is getting weird. Some of it sounds desperate. Being a journalist who does a lot of news gathering and analysis, I started seeing a while ago, the emergence and then proliferation Of the use of the term pregnant people, it was startling, baffling at first. It made me wonder, really? Pregnant people? Are we at that point now? Oh, yes. And even further down that road. A nurse friend of mine sent me a blog post from Medscape titled Roe v. Wade, Confusion Reigns. It was written by a nurse who began by saying, If anyone had asked my opinion on abortion rights a decade ago... I would have been able to clearly articulate my thoughts and position. However, the arguments in science no longer have clear lines. Instead, there are muddled pathways. Hold on, wait. The arguments of abortion activists have always been muddled, but the science has always been clear and is more so all the time. Don't be fooled. Muddled pathways now, she says. People trying to muddle the pathways through cultural and political jungles have long been active. And they don't have to be believed. My friend noted that under the blog post in the comments section, the very first comment says this, quote, Perhaps the language here should be updated from women as there are transgender and non-binary individuals who also need safe access to abortion, close quote. If you think that sounds implausible or contrived, you're not seeing or hearing about what's happening in the culture. On college campuses and from people in high places, who are sensitive to cultural drifts and activists' demands. A New York Times article from early June addresses this. It's titled, A Vanishing Word in Abortion Debate Women. And the subheadline said, Progressive groups and medical organizations have adopted inclusive language, which has led to terms like pregnant people and chest feeding. So there it is chest feeding. The contortions people have gone through to avoid saying pregnant women are truly amazing. The New York Times article went on to say, quote, from Planned Parenthood to NARAL Pro-Choice America to the American Medical Association to city and state health departments and younger activists, the word women has, in a matter of a few years, appeared far less in talk of abortion and pregnancy. Yes, they're removing the reference to women in talk about abortion and pregnancy. The Times article states, quote, Driven by allies and activists for transgender people, medical, government, and progressive organizations have adopted gender neutral language that draws few distinctions between women and transgender men, as well as those who reject those identities altogether. Close quote. It goes on saying this quote, The speed of change is evident. In 2020, Nairao issued a guide to activists on abortion that stressed they should talk about a woman's choice. Two years later, the same guide emphasized the need for gender-neutral language. Gender-neutral language about abortion. And it notes the Times. Today, pregnant people and birthing people have elbowed aside pregnant women. Oh, look at that. Birthing people is one of the newly acceptable replacements for pregnant women. But wait, birthing people is discriminatory and not inclusive, if that's what this is all about because birthing people excludes parents who adopt and give children a forever family and a forever home. In the opinion of the New York Times writer, this reflects a desire by medical professionals to find a language that does not exclude and gives comfort to those who give birth and identify as non-binary or transgender. He says, no agency appears to collect data on transgender and non-binary pregnancies but Australia has reported that about 0.1% of all births involve transgender men. Close quote. So let's be clear. We as a civilization have probably always had human rights battles of many sorts. And words are a very important part of defining those rights and committing them to law. But always and everywhere, in most areas of our common life, we're going to have some things that by necessity includes some and excludes others without that being insulting or demeaning. For the 0.1% of all births in Australia involving transgender men, according to the Times, these semantic gymnastics keep getting played and advanced and they drive people further apart when we need to find a way to work together for the common good. And of course, that would lead to a debate or even an argument over What constitutes the common good, though people of faith have a foundation of ethics and principles to work from on that pursuit. Back to that Times article. It says an 83 year old woman named Ty Grace Atkinson spoke from her home in Cambridge, Massachusetts. She's counted herself a radical feminist for most of her 83 years, she said, and quit the National Organization for Women in the 60s when it refused to aggressively push for abortion rights this self-proclaimed radical feminist is, quote, wearied by battles over gender and language, which she said are pushed by transgender activists and eager progressives and no less eagerly opposed by right-wing politicians. She has a gripe with all of them. It is distant, she said, from the urgent needs of women who make up 50.8 percent of the population. I want to see material change, she said. This is about women and our rights, It's not a language game, close quote, but it has become a language game. So we have to know how to behave. And that doesn't mean we have to know the rules, because the only rules that determine how to treat human life and respect human dignity and assure human rights are ones given us by God. Even atheists for life understand that human dignity and respect for life pre-exists the state. And therefore, government and politics and laws made by politicians and other people with ideological agenda. Pre-exists all of that. By the way, I stopped quoting that New York Times article because it just got weirder. So when I said up front, the language is getting weirder and some of it desperate. There are new articles out, new news stories right now out about some Google employees who've written hundreds of them, have written a letter of demands to the Google management And the spokesperson for that is a technician named Bambi Okagawa. She said, we really want extensive coverage for all of those women who are now so worried about the new laws that some of my coworkers are scared and they've told me they are seeking sterilization options because they know there won't be access to abortions in the state. So uh, Okagawa says, it's only right that we display a sense of compassion as a company and empathy and fairness with anyone contracting with the company who should get the same protection sustainability of life offered to regular employees. Sustainability of life. That's in their language. Isn't that contradictory to what they're after? If they want to stand for sustainability of life, but seek the coverage of getting an abortion, yes. It also goes on to say that employees also asked the company to fix its search results for abortion services. This is interesting. Listen to this. Products like Google Maps, says the CNBC article, have allegedly regularly led abortion seekers to pro-life religious centers. When users type the words abortion clinic into the Google Maps search bar, for example, crisis pregnancy centers accounted for a quarter of the top 10 search results across all 50 U.S. states according to data Bloomberg collected. Do you know why? I think it's because crisis pregnancy centers far outnumber abortion clinics, especially for services. When NPR did this story on the Google employees, 650 of them apparently have signed this petition. They focused on the aspect of it about search engines, search search results. So it leads, the NPR article does, With this, about 650 Google workers have signed a petition asking the company to protect users' abortion-related location data and search history. The move comes over concerns that law enforcement agencies will seek such data from Google to prosecute abortion seekers, says the NPR article, stoking fear and desperation. See, this is fear and desperation time. This article in NPR goes on to quote Okagawa again as saying, if Google or Facebook or any tech company wants to present the face of being a compassionate company and an ally for people who need reproductive care or gender-affirming health care, then they need to back that up in their actions by protecting privacy. So this is where we are right now. There's so much more to cover. There's personhood and its determination. There's preferred pronouns and the pressure that comes from demands to use them. The impact on college students of the changes in abortion law after the Dobbs decision because there was a streak, of new, there were a streak of news stories, or there was a streak of news stories about the impact on college young ladies who were really afraid now and changing their college choices or whether to go at all, and that's stoking fear and confusion as well. There's, there are also a string of news stories about the next front in the abortion promotion, the abortion pill, and I want you to know a lot about that because we're gonna to need to. That is the next front. Next time, we'll talk about increasing public and news discussion of the moral value of human life and when it actually begins. Yes, that's still or again up for debate. Join me for that here in the forum.